we have today uh, 15,000 paying customers um, and about 1.5 million uh, users in general. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hello, everyone. My guest today is David Dabochnikov. He is building a great company that changes the way Americans pay for college by leveraging data to make scholarships more accessible and transparent. He's doing this at scholarshipowl.com. David, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, so Scholarship Owl is basically uh, leveraging technology to increase the chances of earning private and excellent scholarship for American students. And who's paying for this, the students or somebody else? Uh, to use the premium features of the platform, the students are paying a subscription fee, which is uh, $15 a month. Um, and for that, basically, we save a huge amount of time for them, uh, preventing them from applying to scams or finding a scholarship that match them the best way possible. And how many customers do you have today? We have today uh, 15,000 paying customers um, and about 1.5 million uh, users in general. So can we take $15 times 15,000? You're doing about $220,000 a month in revenue? So with some partnerships and uh, other things, um, you know, with some B2B partnerships as well, we do a bit more than that. Okay, got it. And let me ask you, why do students keep paying you after you help them get the scholarship dollars? Once you have a massive churn problem? So uh, the thing is that... um, Common misconception is that students need scholarships only when they're just applying to college. But the reality is that students actually need scholarships more in the first year of college and the second year than uh, in high school. Because many of the financial aid that they get is only for the first year. And um, they can use private scholarships to pay for board, for books and other things they need in college as well. And there's no limit to how many scholarships you can earn throughout your whole education. So uh, it's true that the majority of our um, users today are high school seniors, but basically uh, many of our users are between the ages of 16 and 26. And when did you launch the company, David? What year? So the company was launched in 2015. And, uh, and uh, what did you, you grow revenue to back in 2015, your first year? 2015, it wasn't. We didn't have any revenue. We have we've been bootstrapped, but we were trying to figure out what would be the model. Um, 2016, uh, we already scaled to around uh, almost a two million um, in uh, revenue. Mm-hmm. And, and what did uh, you finish 2020 with? 2020, 2020, we finished with four million. Four million. Okay, that's great. And so what? Um, have you bootstrapped the company to date? You're still bootstrapped? So, uh, until, until now, we never took any external funding. Uh, only in January this year, we took uh, revenue-based funding in order to accelerate our growth. And how much did you raise? We took, uh, we got approved to 1.3 million out of which at this point, we took only 300,000. 
Okay. And what do you like or dislike about revenue-based financing? Um, I love that it's uh, non-dilutive. So basically, we don't give out a part of the company uh, in general. The thing is that VC-based uh, funding give, comes sometimes with uh, strategic partners or with uh, you know connections that revenue-based funding does not. So that's uh, that's kind of one downside. And um, when you take revenue-based uh, financing, you basically start uh, from the beginning to think how you're going to repay that. So basically, you're locked into using most of the revenue-based financing in order to generate growth on your existing model instead of kind of experimenting with more risky models that might um, cause faster growth. Talk to me might- about how... Talk to me about how you got your first 1,000 customers. You have 15,000 today. That's a lot of customers. How are you getting them? Um, the majority of our customers are online onboarding. So PPC, uh, affiliate network that we started building. Uh, with, and we scaled quite a bit of content um, marketing. So basically, we started pushing out a lot of content related to our space. Um, but how did you get your first? How did you get the first one thousand customers, though? So, if you're looking for some story of us going door to door, we didn't do that. Right? So it was mostly online, the standard ways. Well, so, well, David, I'm looking for your story. So when you say standard, tell me what you mean. Did you start with ads on so, day one? Uh, so we started with a blog related to the uh, to the space and started like advertising that blog, and uh, it turned into uh, the. Public. Where did you advertise the blog? Um, mostly on other like platforms and smaller ones on connection, like more like personal connections. I don't understand what that means. <laughs> okay, so the story is that the con- our, our product didn't start as a um, SaaS product. It started actually as a blog and content-related scholarship space itself. So that kind of got a little a bit of traction, and on top of that, the product started being built. So that's why the story is a little bit confusing in that sense, but it's not like we built a SaaS product and then started like looking for customers for that. Yeah, Maybe it's not, David, it's not confusing. Yeah. This is a great way to build a SaaS company. It just is what it is. It started off as content in a blog, you built an email list, and then you launched a paid membership product, it sounds like. Yeah. How large did you grow your email list before you launched the SaaS product? Uh... few thousand like not that big okay like under ten thousand yeah okay and what's the email list size today it's six million. sorry six million six million people amazing and and what kinds of things are you doing with that list to drive additional growth um so when i mentioned before um that we have additional revenue other than the SaaS side is different partnerships of other uh, other scholarships promoting them to our platform, other companies in the educational space. Like we work with around 40 different partners at the moment. 
I'm very picky with sponsors I have on the show. Usually I use the show and you guys, the audience as leverage to ask for a great deal. And I simply won't take on the sponsor unless number one, I love the product. And number two, they're giving us a special unique deal for our audience. Well, Zendesk reached out recently. And you know, me personally, I've watched other tools in Zendesk, the customer support space, increase price. They try and upsell you 20 different products. It's expensive because they want to move to the enterprise to make their investors happy. Well, Zendesk is publicly traded, and that means they have a lot of cash to throw around, which means they can afford to give startups a great discount. In fact, all these enterprise tools, I convinced them to say, you know what? We'll give it to your audience, Nathan, for free for six months. So here's the caveat. If you're pre-Series B or you have fewer than 50 employees, you're eligible today. Go to nathanmaka.com forward slash Zendesk to get their best customer support tools totally free for six months. Again, that's today, nathanlacka.com forward slash Zendesk. What does the pitch sound like to them? Can you name a partner and explain to me how you convince them to market your product? Uh, there's many different ways. It's a bit uh, hard on the... Pick one. Uh, yeah. it's, easy. it's easy if you yeah. pick, a, pick a story, a real story. So, um, I mean, a simple example is uh, Nielsen, for example, have um, does market research to scholarships, uh, and we work with them to basically work with the students to um, like to, to reach out to students to um, Nielsen. And why so, does Nielsen help promote your product? Do you pay them a commission? We, we do basically revenue share, yeah. Revenue share. And is that typical revenue share? You just split it 50-50? with Nielsen. We do it with other, um, other organizations. For example, uh, ones that promote our side, like we have the two-sided, right? So some companies promote us and some companies we promote as well. So Nielsen is an example that we promote. But Fastweb, for example, is somebody who promotes us. That they have, you know, um, featured scholarships and things like that that we uh, post our scholarships to. Let's go to your team. How many people on the team? Today we're almost 50 people. Five zero? And how many engineers? Around 20. 20 engineers. And so what are they building? What What is the most technical thing about this product? I mean, first we have two products. We, so far we've talked only about the student side. We also have the scholarship.app, which is the uh, CLM for brands and organizations to offer scholarships. And uh, um, our product actually is very tech intensive. I myself, and before Scholarship Power, I was a senior engineer at Google. So I come from engineering. And uh, the whole process of matching and finding the scholarships uh, and leveraging, you know, leverage also machine learning and AI to find the ones that you have the highest chance of winning. Uh, and there's many different ways to apply to different scholarships to uh you know, to leverage all this huge amount of data that we already have in order to um, basically, instead of the student applying to hundreds of different scholarships, we want him to apply to three scholarships a week, but he, that he has the highest chance of actually earning. Got it. Uh, so 20 so engineers. In order to do that, yeah, I need a lot of data and a lot of engineering for that. How many sales employees do you have, if any? 
We have marketing. In sales, we don't have any. Uh, we don't do uh, enterprise sales or anything like that today. So Okay, so no sales reps. How many folks on the marketing team? Eight people. Eight? Yeah. Eight people. Okay. And does that include like the content writers, the people managing the email list, these sorts of things? Email list, yes. Content writer will work mostly with external content writers, like uh, freelancers that we work with for, for a long while. But uh, social media, uh, email content, brand uh, awareness and planning, um, all those kind of like uh, product side of the marketing as well. And talk to me about churn. I imagine with consumers like this, churn can sometimes maybe get high. What is your churn annually? So our monthly churn at the moment is about 12%. Um, So yeah, it's pretty high. Um, a large part of that is because our business is extremely seasonal as well. Um, you know, like not the students do not have all the, the time in the year to apply to scholarships and all of that. And it's basically labor intensive work for them, even with, uh, with the tools that we provide them to make it easier. Mm-hmm. So and, the majority of our challenges comes from that. And David, you mentioned your land, you're spending on PPC ads. What does it cost you to get a new $15 a month customer? Um, it cost me today, um, $50. Got it. So that's a, what a four or four or five month payback period. Yeah. How do you make that work? Because your customers are only staying for six or seven months. So there's only two or three months of margin there for you to make money. Um, they stay seven to eight months in most cases. And, okay, same uh, same question though. There's only three or four months there for you to make margin on. So we do it at scale. Got it. Is there any, I mean, are you okay with those margins and you're just going to keep driving new volume? No, or so, you? Oh, the thing is that one of the big mistakes we've done in the history of the company is basically we started scaling before we uh, fully nailed our unit economics. And uh, uh, in a way, we kind of woke up too late for that, and we've dedicated 2020 into fixing that. And we are now in a much better place than we were two years ago, but still not where we want to be. And a large part of our roadmap this year is actually dedicated to further fixing it. All right. Well, David, on that note, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? What's my favorite uh, business book? Um, Zero to Lunch, I guess. What to Launch? Zero to Lunch. Zero to Launch. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? CEO, I'm following or studying. Um, I mean, from the big guys, I'd say Sundar Pinchai. At Google. Uh, Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Um, I'd say mix panel, if that's, if that could be considered that. Of course. Number three, how many or four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? How many? Hours of sleep. Hours of sleep. Uh, uh, I'd say an average around uh, five. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single, kids? Um, living with a girlfriend, not, okay. no kids. Okay. And how old are you? 36. 36. Last question, David. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? Um, 
I wish I knew how to monetize my side projects when I was 20. I was so involved in engineering and I never knew how to sell what I was building. Guys, scholarshipowl.com doing 4 million in revenue this year from 15,000 students paying 15 bucks a month to identify scholarship opportunities at scale. This is very much a tech play. They've got 20 people on the team of 50. They've done this all bootstrapped, which is great. Uh, scaling nicely. Obviously, there's churn here because it's students, but they're okay with that because unit economics work nicely as they look to continue to scale using content, PPC, uh, and their 6 million person email list. David, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you very much.